Welcome to the How to Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I am so honored to have beautiful Jesse Duke. How are you today? Good, Lori. How are you? Good. And, you know, Jesse and I met in California a few weeks ago, and she has an incredible story of overcoming a pretty severe autoimmune disease called Crohn's disease. And she has since turned into the, you know, her recovery into a passion and, and into a place of helping others find their healing. But it's more than just, you know, overcoming one disease. It's many, many things. There's many layers to it, but we'll get to all that. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about your history and how, you know, things went awry. You were a healthy young person until this. And just kind of tell us your story. Sure. Lori, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I am from New Jersey and I was, well, I'm an identical twin. So I have uh, my twin sister and an older sister and um, life at home was very interesting and it was very stressful. Um, and it's interesting because I've since looked into kind of the connection between autoimmune diseases and stress and growing up around that. Um, and a lot of it makes sense. Uh, but I will say I don't really get stuck on why I got diagnosed. I know a lot of people, especially at the conference who I met there when I met you, were very interested in what do you think caused it. Um, but I'm, I think with um, autoimmune diseases and Crohn's, that's not my knowledge. My knowledge is more so how to help myself. I can't claim to know why I got it. I would guess that you know it's a predisposition with genetics, it's environmental, um, stress, basically a perfect storm. Um, and I'll say that because I have an identical twin sister who will, you know, who is genetically predisposed to it as well. And she does not have Crohn's disease. So I do believe that there has to be kind of everything in it. Um, but growing up, my parents always said that I was the most compassionate in my family. I was the most empathetic and I was the most sensitive. And it makes sense because of you know, the autoimmune, that's kind of what they say. Um, so when I went off to college, I went to USC and I had a great first semester and I met a lot of people and I made a lot of friends. And then second semester, remember it was the end of February, March 1st. I was very upset about a guy and I was, um, I could feel just things kind of shifting. Um, I remember I was crying outside Starbucks on campus and I felt my stomach change. I, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It just, it changed, but it's interesting because I didn't have stomach symptoms for a long time, but I felt something shift. And the next morning I woke up, it was March 1st and nothing was the same after that. Um, for months I had headaches and um, headaches that would last all day. And I had had headaches for a long time. Um, but nothing like this. It was kind of hard to walk when I was having them, and it was hard to see. Um, my arms hurt. My limbs hurt a lot. And I would wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning, and I would feel okay till about 7, 7.30, and then I was done. Um, and I was in tremendous amounts of pain. And I ended up getting a few MRIs and blood work, and they said, you're – your sed, your sed rate, um, your CRP levels, like they're very high. They're, um, it's unspecific, 
inflammation. We're not sure what it could be, uh, but there's something, you know, inflamed. So to me, I had no idea what that meant. Um, I thought it meant that, you know, oh, of course I'm inflamed. My head hurts. So, you know, um, in that way, you know, the, your vessels constrict and the blood, it kind of made sense. But I mean, I never had stomach symptoms. So for months, I went back and forth. Um, I was going to the USC Keck health campus, which was off campus almost every other day, getting my blood drawn. And then I had a few MRIs. I saw a neurologist. She told me you're going to be on um, chronic headache medication for a long time. They put me on Topamax, which I got very, very sick from. And the time that I was on Topamax, I honestly don't remember that much. Um, I kept like increasing the dosage and eventually um, I would do MRIs and they would tell me they were normal. And then a few weeks later, I would go in to see the doctor and she would say, oh, wait, actually, I read them wrong. Um, you have some white spots like on your brain, like we think it could be MS. So then I went in for a spinal tap and then they tell me the spinal tap is normal and you know, you're just going to be in this pain probably forever. Like you're going to be a chronic headache patient. So I was very upset. And I remember I flew home from California to New Jersey for Passover to be with my family because I was upset. And I fly back a few days later and I get off the plane. I have a voice memo from one of my doctors who's like, Oh, we read the spinal fluid wrong. There's act, you actually have these, um, oligoclonal or oligoclonal bands or something. Mm -hmm. um, so we need you to go in for extra MS testing. So then I went and I did some nerve stimulation and I met with an MS doctor who looked at me and he was like, you need to work out. And it was so weird because I was not overweight or any, like I wasn't, I mean, I mean, I wasn't doing much cause I was so sick. Um, and it's funny because now I think I would have taken it more seriously because I believe in lifestyle medicine and stuff. But lifestyle medicine is encouraging people to eat right and be active, but it's also acknowledging the other things that are going on. And there was no acknowledgement. Um, so the whole time I kind of went back and forth and they were testing me for lupus and Lyme and besides for MS and meningitis and um, lymphoma. And I mean, you name it they at one point they were like she probably has this and I ended up going into the emergency room at one point um because they thought I was having a meningitis flare mm -hmm. and the neurologist at Keck said you have to go into the ER right now and I called my family and who was across the country and I said to them I go I need to go to the ER I feel very very sick I felt way worse than any of the days um and my family was like, there's nothing wrong with you. Don't go. You're fine. Um, so I was so conflicted. I didn't know what to do. I ended up going. Um, and it was a terrible experience. They, I brought in my papers and the medication I was on. And I said, this is what's going on. The on-call neurologist told me to come. And they just gave me Ativan, which is, you know, an antipsychotic medication. And I... I hallucinated for like five hours and then I came to it and the doctor was in the room with his arms crossed, like with his leg up on the door, just like laughing at me. And I said to him, I was like, I, I had realized that I was like out of it for a long time because I remembered seeing all of my friends in my room and I knew that no one was with me. Um, so I said to him, I was like, are you doing any tests? 
And he was like, no. And I was like, then can I go home? He's like, okay. So that was a terrible experience. And I dealt with kind of um, how upset I felt and taken advantage I felt for a long, long time because the bill was so big. I mean, we were paying like, I think $10,000 out of pocket for a really long time, not money that my family could afford. And, you know, my family was just like, we told you not to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I didn't know what to do. I was 19 years old. I was scared. I was across the country and a doctor was telling me to do that. So um, the day before this, I was at school and I forgot to take the Topamax and I didn't realize, but that was the one day that semester that I felt okay. And Mm -hmm. I remember feeling like I had energy and I interviewed for a job that I ended up getting. Um, And then the next day when I took the Topamax again, that's what happened. So meanwhile, fast forward, I, um, I ended up going home at the end of the semester, but I didn't finish the semester and I wanted to go home many times before. And my parents kept saying, you have to trust your doctors. They're taking care of you. You have to trust them. If you come home, you're going to have no one to see. And I said to them, I'm not going to classes. I'm literally living in my room. I don't want anyone to see me. I lost pretty much all my friends. Um, I, I want to go home. I'm not going to classes. And I kept saying to them, my doctors are not listening to me. You have to believe me. They're not listening. Um, my parents were desperate to believe that I was being taken care of. And they kept saying, if you don't believe that they're, that they're listening to you, if you don't believe that they're helping you, what are you going to do? No one's going to help you. You need to trust them. And it's funny because they've taken a total 180 since all of this, but they really kept saying to me, you need to trust them. And I, and I just, I didn't, um, my doctors would, one of my doctors called my mom and said to her, you know, it's amazing that Jesse's still in school. Anyone else going through this would have dropped out at this point, but no one gave me any support or options. None of my doctors spoke to me and said, you can take time off. You can take a leave of absence. I didn't even know I could do that. Um, and, but they would then tell my mom like, oh, it's so serious, you know, But I think with me, they didn't want to act like they couldn't figure it out. You know, they, I I think for them, it was easier to act like it was in, to tell me it was in my head than to admit that they just didn't know what was wrong. So, so many doctors just kept saying like, you know, you just need your, you, you might never know what this is. You just need to get better. Like you need to believe that you're going to get better. And I knew that something was wrong. Um, and I was very resistant, but I did start to question the belief that maybe I am making this up and it really got in my head. And when I went home to New Jersey, um, throughout all of this, my uncle and my aunt were very supportive. My uncle was a cardiologist and, um, I saw a few of his friends for doc, uh, who were doctors and one doctor who was convinced I had Lyme and Lyme is a very confusing illness. And I think, you know, after I learned more about Lyme disease, I could see why it sounded like I had that, but he wanted to put me on an antibiotic doxycycline and I begged him not to go on it. And I didn't take it for a few weeks. And eventually he said to me, you know, no other doctor is willing to take a chance on you. You're not going to get better. If you don't take, if you don't do something, you're getting sicker and sicker. And so eventually I uh, ended up taking the doxy and my stomach was never the same. And just, I think within one day of taking it, I was in more pain than I'd ever had been. I remember I was hysterical. I was visiting a friend in Maryland 
and I thought I was going to have to go home. I didn't know what to do. And I called him and I was like, I can't take this. And he was like, no, no, no. Like your body just needs to adjust. And I was supposed to take it, I think for two months or a month, or Hmm. it was like four to six or four to eight weeks or something. And I was on the first day and I was like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to die. And, um, he kept saying like, no, your body, you're fine. You're fine. After two days, I couldn't take it. Um, and I called him and I said, I can't do this. destroying me. And he said, okay, just get probiotics. Like you'll be fine, but your stomach has to recover. So I got probiotics and about two weeks later, I had to go back to school and my stomach was very upset. And I kept thinking, okay, it's because, you know, I need more probiotics. Then I went to California with both of my parents who were moving me into college. And it was probably, it was one of the worst trips I've ever had. Um, They've never gotten along and it was just very stressful. And I thought that that was why, then I thought, I said, okay, this is why my stomach's upset because of all the stress. Um, And then I ended up Um, staying with my dad's cousin in Santa Monica for a little bit and she smoked cigarettes. So I was like, okay, this is why my stomach's upset. Then I went um, to RA training because I was going to be a resident assistant and I had a coworker who was extremely hard to deal with. Um, He ended up quitting the first day, but he went through all of training and throughout it, he kind of tried to, get me fired it was very dramatic and not situations that I'm used to being a part of and um, my stomach was very upset so then I said okay this is why my stomach is upset Mm -hmm. and meanwhile when I got to school and I moved in I tried on a bunch of clothes and none of them fit so I put a bunch of shorts in a pile to give away and then two weeks later I tried on those shorts I don't know why and they were all falling off of me they weren't staying up and I didn't have a scale so I didn't know how like what if I was losing weight, but I called my mom and I said, I'm losing a lot of weight. I think like something's weird. And she was like, Oh my God, you might have diabetes. Daddy has diabetes. All of our grandparents, like everyone in my family has diabetes. It could be that you need to go to a doctor. Um, and that's interesting again, because diabetes also, you know, the genetic idea of like, it's in your family. So you could have it versus the idea that Maybe it's in your family because of lifestyle choices, um, which me and my mom ended up learning about you know, throughout all of this. But I went to the doctors and I had lost 20 pounds. Wow. And, um, I, and I, I felt like I you know, had lost weight, but I just I wasn't aware because I was so busy and so stressed out. And I lost a lot of weight. And the doctor said, you need to see a GI. And... I couldn't get an appointment with the GI until the end of December. And this was the beginning of September. And I, and I said, I was like, I can't lose another semester. I'm already behind on all my classes. And um, I ended up flying home to New Jersey and seeing someone who literally looked at me and he was like, you have Crohn's disease. And I, um, I ended up doing a blood test, which tested positive for it, but the blood test can be, you know, it's not uh, significant in terms of a be all end all diagnosis. But I did a colonoscopy endoscopy, and he said, you have Crohn's disease. I said, what is Crohn's disease? He said, Google it. And I had never heard of it before, and he didn't really tell me anything. He sent me back to school, and he put me on an antibiotic, um, which Dr. Chuckin said at the conference is, like, the worst thing you can do. And he put me on a very, very low-dose steroid. He said, you'll be fine in four to six weeks. Like, don't think about it. 
he didn't give me any instruction on anything. And when I flew back to California, I really just, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I kind of thought it was one of those things that you tell the doctor you have when you see them once a year, but you never really think about having. So to me, it was something like, I don't want to put down asthma because I don't know how terrible it is. But to me, it's something like, it's just a, a condition that you have that you just tell the doctor. I didn't think it was going to affect me at all. And my twin sister works with someone with Crohn's and she said, um, talk, uh, talk to my friend, Sam, she has Crohn's disease. And I said to her, I was like, why would I talk to her about it? Like, what is there to talk to about this? Like, I didn't think it was going to be significant at all. And I got back to school and the next day I just, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Like I just felt so sick. I felt like I was going to faint. And I called the doctor and I was like, I'm so confused. Like, what do I do? How am I supposed to wait four to six weeks for these things to work? And he was like, you'll be fine. Just like, look it up. Like, you know, just WebMD it. And I was very confused. And that night I was doubled over in pain. And I was with a friend and she said, you should go to the ER. And I was like, trying to figure out, and I still do this. There's a threshold when you have an illness of like, what is too much and what is normal. And it was the beginning for me. So I was trying to figure out, is this normal? Is this the kind of pain that comes with Crohn's? Or is this too much? Where is the, where is the line that says, no, 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 this is serious. And the next morning I was having heart palpitations. And so I called my mom and she was like, you should go to the ER. And I was traumatized. I didn't want to go back to the hospital. And I said, I'll go to the health center, even though I thought they were incompetent. But I was like, I'd rather go there than go to the ER. And I went to the ER and, or the health center and they said, you don't have a blood pressure. We're going to send you to the ER. Like we can't deal with you here. Um, so I went to the, the ER by myself to Cedar sinai and basically I was there for a week. I was hospitalized and I had six. So they, they did like another, um, an MRE and they said, you have 16 inches of inflammation. Your body is not absorbing any nutrients. We need to put you on prednisone and get this inflammation down because even though I was, I was severely dehydrated, but I was drinking tons of water, but my body wasn't absorbing anything. And um, one of my doctors actually, I think he was involved in the drug trials for Remicade. So, you know, he came into my room and he said, listen, you, ha you can't leave here until you pick a drug. So it was either Remicade, Humira, or um, like a mix of like a few different, like um, other kinds of drugs. And they kind of sold Remicade as like the most reasonable and you only have to go get an infusion every eight weeks. Like it's just, it'll whatever. Um, meanwhile, there was nothing said about, you know, diet, except for the fact that I was anemic. So they told me I needed to eat meat because I was a pescatarian at this point. And what has actually inspired basically everything that I want to do is my experience at the hospital because they were feeding me boost and insure drinks which are dairy drinks for all of that inflammation. And I didn't know any better. Um, and I drank it. And um, it, I quickly realized after that dairy was horrible for me and I cut it out. But it was, it was an experience. Um, and after that, I did Remicade for a while. And um, at first, I think it helped me a little bit. And so I got like IV prednisone and then when I left the hospital I tapered off of prednisone um, and for two weeks I felt great 
So I, I got out of the hospital on my birthday. Um, so this was right around, this was in 2014. So it was three years ago. So I got um, out of the hospital the day of my birthday at night and I felt great for two weeks. I had more energy. I felt like I could be around people again. Um, on Halloween, Halloween was the last day I felt normal. November 1st, I woke up and I, you know, I think the prednisone was really taking its toll on me. I started having panic attacks. My face totally changed. People, people literally didn't recognize me. I didn't recognize myself. I felt betrayed by my body um, and betrayed by, you know, not just the vain things about how I looked, but I didn't understand what was happening. And I really isolated myself and people didn't know how to act. Um, I didn't really have support before I was diagnosed. It definitely got better once I was diagnosed, but still it's very hard to see someone so young, so sick when everyone else in college is really having the time of their life and making opportunities happen for themselves. Um, so I ended up basically taking this film and Buddhism class because I was a film major at USC. And I started really thinking about how my illness was impacting me. Um, and I spoke to my twin sister's friend who encouraged me to think about it. And for the final project for that class in the spring, I made a film called 12 Ways to Fuck Up. Things that people had said to me um, following my diagnosis with Crohn's disease, and it exploded. Like people loved it, and it was a it it wasn't just satisfying because of that. It was extremely cathartic to make this film, and um, I've since kind of dipped my toes into narrative medicine. So doctors and patients understanding their stories and the people that they work with to help promote um, strength in illness and wellness, and it's was a natural progression for me as a storyteller, which was great. Um, but following that film, actually a woman in New York who had just graduated school created a Kickstarter, was funded $20,000 to film this documentary called The Crohn's Moans. And she hired me based off of my film. And I traveled with her that summer looking for alternative healing therapies for Crohn's disease, which was an incredible experience. Um, we spoke to doctors and patients and healers and basically learn that there are other ways. And I saw in people, you know, my mortality. I saw people with my illness who were struggling and were really had a quality of life that I was not going to be, like I was not going to accept. And I saw people who were doing different things who were living and thriving. And I realized you need to take it into your own hands. And when I got back to school, um, Actually, during the road trip, someone texted me who I went to high school with and said, um, look up the starch solution. She said, I see you're doing this documentary. She said, I have, I had IBS. You have to look up Dr. McDougall. And I was, I texted her. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. It's so nice. I'll totally look um, him up. But I forgot about it. It was very busy. So when I got back to school and I said, I want something else. And I found um, a more integrative GI, and she put me on this weird diet of sardines, apples, and brown rice. And I was throwing everything up, and I couldn't eat it. And I found another GI who was like, okay, you probably need surgery. You're going to have to leave school. And they did um, a colonoscopy, and they said, you're in remission. And I was totally confused because I was in more pain than I'd ever been. So at that point, I'm like, okay, they don't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. I had been on way too much Remicade because 
earlier, um, there was a lot else in the story, but basically I was very, very sick at one point and my doctors kept increasing the dosage. So I was on five milligrams every eight weeks and then I went to 10 milligrams every four weeks. And I was getting sicker and sicker and they're like, oh, you have SIBO. Um, then I went to a GI in New York when I went home for the summer and she was like, she tested my levels and she's like, you're four times what you should be for Remicade. That's why you're so sick. It's poison. It's a, it's chemotherapy. It's killing you and you're way more than you should be. Mm -hmm. And I realized my doctors weren't really listening to me. They weren't really looking into it. It was, I was grateful that she lowered my dosage for Remicade. But when I told her that I was trying to be vegan, she also didn't know what vegan was, which was so interesting for a doctor. Um, and she definitely discouraged me from doing it. And so back when they told me I was in remission in September, I said, all right, I need to do something else. And um, my mom kept saying to me, get a potato, get, go to Trader Joe's, buy a potato. And I was like, <laughs> I feel so sick when I eat potatoes. Um, to me, potatoes were fried. They were French fries. They were made in oil and butter and sour cream. And that association did not make me feel good. And so I said, I'm not getting a potato. I was miserable that semester. And when I went home that winter break, I was planning on not coming back to school. Um, I didn't know for how long, but I didn't think I was coming back. And I got home and my mom said, please just try this. And I said, I have nothing to lose. So within, I think three or four days of eating beans, potatoes, and like salsa and, you know, some greens, I like, I swear my brain fog, everything just started to change. It only took a few days. From and why did your mom tell you to eat a potato? I mean, what was her reasons for doing that? McDougal is the potato guy. So, so how did your mom find out about McDougal? Because someone told you about it. So she had been doing McDougal, but I never made the connection. Um. And she, it's funny because she had looked into Dr. Ron Weiss, who presented at the conference, who had Ethos Health. He didn't take insurance and couldn't see me. She had also con contacted Barnard Medical Center, who said that they didn't see people with Crohn's disease. So we were, she was already kind of looking into this plant-based kind of thing. I was very sick and like barely doing anything. So I think she was trying not to overwhelm me. She was trying to get me to eat a potato, but I wasn't doing it. Um, and, and so, and I had just become vegan in September. So after the sardines episode, I couldn't eat fish again. And that was the only thing that was keeping me from being vegan. But I was plant-based at that point and I was eating processed foods and um, I was an RA. So I was eating vegetables that were sitting in oil, you know, green beans and oil and everything. And I was still so sick. I was vegan and I was still so, so sick. And when I got home, my mom said, cut out the oil, cut out the processed food and everything shifted. And she, mm. I ended up looking, becoming part of the McDougal Friends group on Facebook and just watching Forks Over Knives and just being so immersed in this and realizing oh my God, within a few days, I could feel my start, myself starting to get better. And still, whenever I don't feel good, I go right to beans and potatoes and salsa. It's what I eat all the time or lentils. Um, and when I went back to school, I said, okay, this is the first semester I'm going to have. Um, and I went to Trader Joe's and I stocked up my mini fridge with, um, I think I got like tomatoes and greens. And then I had potato like bags and bags of potatoes just sitting next to my fridge and then salsa 
and cans of beans. And I didn't have a table or a desk or anything in my room, but I would sit in my room and I would wash out the beans and I would put it in the little microwave and I'd sit on the floor and I'd eat my meals. Um, and in the morning, I think I, I ate oatmeal at the dining hall and I had a soy milk in it. So I ate um, that for breakfast and then lunch, I got salads at the salad bar and everything. And I went 100% in and I really started to feel better. And I still struggled that semester because I was on Remicade. And every time I got the Remicade, I felt so sick. And it was April 15th when I got my last infusion um, and I felt horrible. And uh, when I went home that summer, I did yoga teacher training. And my thing was, I'm going to go home. I'm going to do yoga teacher training. I'm going to, you know, figure this out. I'm going to get off my medication and, you know, really just dive in and be ready for senior year, ready to take control of everything. Um, I also was dealing with a lot of family stuff at this point. So there was a lot of hardship at home. But um, it was really important for me to kind of have you know, the yoga and the food. And I have the support of my mom who was already eating like this, which was tremendous. I always recommend people because I work with people all the time on switching their diet that you should have support. If you have a significant other, they should do it with you. If you have a really good friend or a sister, tell them about what you're doing, encourage them. Plant-based diet, the only, it's, I use plant-based food as my medicine. It's the only medicine you can use that doesn't have side effects. And, and the side effects are amazing. If you want to say, you know, feeling great is a side effect, but anyone can benefit from it. So even if you don't, even if your spouse isn't sick, they can benefit from it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. No one, it will be hurt by eating this way. So I always tell people to do it together. I have the support of my mom and I went home and I saw kind of like an integrative GI. And I said to him, I said, I want to get off my medication. And he said, I see, I treat people with Crohn's without medication, but I use cannabis and I'm willing to, um, I'm not going to get you off your medication now because you live in California and you're only home for the summer. But if you move back here, when you're done, I'll get you off your medication and I'll put you on cannabis. We'll like wean you off of it. And I was not satisfied. I wanted to be off of it and I knew it was making me ill and I didn't want to wait and I didn't want to be weaned off. And so I, um, I actually ended up posting a picture of myself, like feeling good on the McDougal friends page. And I think it got like 600 likes and all these people were writing and they were saying, you know, I have Crohn's disease. I haven't, I haven't been on my medication for 30 years and I've been eating this way. And it was so inspiring because I had met Dr. Greger in January, right when I went plant based, like a month before he was in San Diego. And I drove down from LA to San Diego to see him. And I talked to him and we had an amazing conversation. And I said to him, I was like, can I, do you think I, it's possible for me to get off my medication with Crohn's? And he was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know of people with Crohn's disease who are doing this. He's like, there's not enough research. And it really upset me because here's this legend who I thought was going to give me all this hope. Um, and he told me that it was unlikely. And so when I went home and I posted on McDougal friends, I was getting all this inspiration of, okay, I really need to do this. So I found Dr. Campbell, Dr. Uh, T. Colin Campbell, who was in Rochester. And I made an appointment with him and me and my mom drove up five hours to Rochester and we saw him. And I said to him, I said, listen, I'm not asking for your permission. I'm telling you that I'm getting off my medication. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not scheduling the infusions and I want you to support me. And he said to me, he said, um, you know, 
this there is a risk involved like you never really know with autoimmune conditions but you're doing all of the right things and I support you and I will you know tell your GI what you're doing and I said to him I said you know I can't wait for the signs to back it up I know this I know it with other conditions and I know it in myself I have one life and you know, with big pharma and the dairy industry and the meat industry and the CCFA, which is all 17 of their sponsors are pharmaceutical companies. And that's why they tell you, you know, don't eat fruits and vegetables and eat meat and dairy. Um, they're never going to come out and say eat vegetables. So I just can't wait for that. It's my life. And I got off my medication and my health has continued to improve tremendously. Mm. And um, it's been it's been the most rewarding and uh, gratifying experience to now be able to help other people or share this story because when I wanted to go plant-based, I had no one to look up to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and I want people to hear my story and say, I can do this. Crohn's is not a condition. I mean, they tell you I'm on all these Crohn's groups and everyone is like, yeah, my doctor, I, someone just wrote the other day, I'm in remission. My doctor wants me to get off my medication, but then I was reading online that you you should be on medication for life, no matter what. All these people are writing on the board. Um, no, no, no! Don't get off your medication. You have to stay on it. I uh, remission, like this is a lifelong disease. You're on medication forever. I mean, they told me I was going to be on medication forever, but I wrote on it and I was like, "Don't believe that. You're lucky to have a doctor who's saying that. If you can get off your medication, get off of it." Um, but I, I think. I want people to know this story because I want people to know that it's possible. <clears throat> I know even the plant-based healthcare conference, people were shocked when they heard my story. And I said, this is not okay. We need to illuminate the light on Crohn's disease. Everyone in the mom has Crohn's disease. I just had two friends who got diagnosed with Crohn's disease in the last two weeks. I mean, and, and by that, I mean, two weeks ago, they both got diagnosed within two days of each other, one from New Jersey, one from out here. I mean, I, it is so common. I know countless people with it and people need to know there's another way. And the plant-based doctors need to know that there are patients like me who are doing this so that they can refer it out and they can say, listen, there is someone who has a story. You can look her up. You can see that she's doing this because when, when Gregor said that to me and I told him when I saw him again at the conference last year, I said, I got off my medication remembered me. I said, I got off my medication. You need to tell people that it's possible. So, what did he say? He was so happy. He was thrilled. And, and that was, I think, two years or a year after I first met him. And he said, he said, there is more information that's come out. But to be honest, I don't think he has his hands in a million pots. It's not his specialty. He wasn't aware. He's done a lot more videos on Crohn's disease now. So I think he knows that it's possible. But um, all of the doctors need to know because if you're a bariatric surgeon or if you're a cardiologist or if you're an endocrinologist and you're seeing someone, they might not have Crohn's, but I can guarantee you that either their, their child, their cousin, or someone in their family or their friend has Crohn's and it's worth it to be mentioned. And it needs to be in the conversation because right now we talk about heart disease and diabetes and all of these cancer, the um, Alzheimer's, these horrible conditions that can be vastly improved by diet it is so important those but Crohn's disease is also very common and and it's never talked about 
And um, I don't think people, people think that autoimmune, you just never really know. But we've seen Chuckin's research and we know that eating whole food plant-based makes a huge difference. Um, and it needs to be encouraged. Do you know Dr. Angie Sadegi? I don't. She's a GI doc in Southern California, plant-based that uses, yeah, I'm going to send you her information when we're done here. She's awesome. Oh my God, please. She's GI. Yeah, she, she's incredible. So uh, I'll make sure that uh, you get in touch with her. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's just down the street from me. She was like half an hour from their conference where we were. Oh, my God. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, very good. So, okay, so you, that is a lot of stuff going on. So you, how many doctors would you say that you've seen in total? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would really have to think about that. I saw a... Um, a neurologist, a rheumatologist, um, a rheumatologist in New Jersey, the Lyme doctor. I saw an eye person who did stuff with like still disease, like eye diseases. Um, I saw an MS specialist in LA. Um, I had two long-term GI doctors, two other short-term GI doctors, um, probably about nine-ish. And those are just the specialists. That's not including all the regular doctors, the ER trips. Yeah. 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 Those aren't, yeah. Okay. So when was your last infusion? You said April 15th of this year or last year? April 15th, 2016. Wow. So now you've had just about, what, 18 months or so without medication and getting better and better every day. That's incredible. So tell us what's been the most valuable lesson other than of course the food that you really feel that people need to learn like what is it about autoimmune disease this this journey this inability to verbalize to a doctor like no there's really something wrong and then someone else is you know not listening so tell me what what do you feel like people need to listen and and say you know what about this journey do you feel like it's the one nugget that you want to share I think just to trust yourself and educate yourself and um, really know yourself. And I remember when I was little, I didn't feel good. I went to the um, nurse's office and I said to her, I don't feel good. I feel really sick. And she took my temperature and she said, you don't have temperature, go back to class. And I said, no, please listen to me. You have to believe me. I feel really sick. And um, she's like, no, go back to class. And I walked out of the nurse's office and I took one step outside and I threw up <laughs> like all over the floor. And I didn't want to say like, I told you so, but I really believe that we know our bodies and through yoga and um, having this autoimmune, autoimmune illness and really being aware of, you know, the things that I eat because I eat whole food plant-based, but there are certain foods that really bother me. So for example, when I go out to eat, I always tell them I'm allergic to oil because I really feel like I am. I cannot, my body cannot process it. I ate oil and I ended up in the hospital in Israel this summer. Um, mm. I was very, very sick. Like I just can't handle it. Um, I don't feel good when I eat lots of nuts, um, which I love. Peanut butter is my favorite food in the world. I can't have more than a spoonful. Otherwise I don't feel good. Um, I ate a lot of hummus in Israel this summer and it didn't have any oil in it. It was totally freshly made. But after I would eat the hummus, I felt exhausted. I would either pass out or I'd get very tired. I mean, that's that's a reaction. That's I had I should have been listening to my body and thinking about 
sorry. Um, and thinking about, you know, how, how much this is, I need to pay attention, how listening to myself and, you know, whether that's listening to yourself when you're seeing doctors and really knowing that something's wrong and wanting, you know, advocating for yourself or just trying to figure out what works for you. I think we know our bodies best and it takes time to get in tune, but it's absolutely worth it. We all deserve help. We deserve to feel good. It's not normal to not feel good every time after you eat. This, I hear this all the time with friends. Um, and so my biggest thing would be trust your gut, listen to yourself, um, and reach out for support. Uh, definitely look to other people and try to educate yourself. I'm so passionate about the education part of this because I know when you're sick, it's very difficult to do all of the work. Um, mm -hmm. But I absolutely believe um, in trusting yourself, doing the research, and the integration of a lot of things. So your diet should absolutely be the foundation um, of how you keep yourself healthy, right? It shouldn't be sick care. You go to the doctor when you're sick, but how are you keeping yourself healthy? What are you actually doing to keep, keep yourself healthy every day, every week, every month? Um, and really considering that, whether it's reduction of stress, stress, going to therapy, which I go to, um, or, you know, doing yoga or running or movement, um, social support, giving back, feeling like you have a purpose. All of this has to do with our total health plan. And I think when we start to realize that we can go to doctors to diagnose us and for sick care, but we are the only people who are in, in charge of our health. We are the people who are in charge of our uh, well-being and we need to take charge of that. You know, to be so young, you're exactly right on. But I mean, you probably lived a lifetime of a thousand people just in your short time because your birthday's coming up. You're soon to be 23, which is happy birthday. Um, I think you're exactly right. And it's coming from the medical side of things. And, and I'm, I'm not saying their doctors were right or wrong and they certainly should have listened. And, but coming, if you think about our sick care, which it really is, we see multiple, multiple patients. There's a lot of administration burdens, um, see, you know, productivity numbers, the Medicare requirements. So then when you get patients who come in and some of them aren't necessarily very sick, you become very jaded. So especially when you see someone who's seen multiple specialists, they have these vague, like you were having these neurological stuff before you had your stomach issues, are very difficult to diagnose. Um, you had, but you had a positive sed rate, which tells us something was going on that you cannot negate. So I think there's a, there's a point that if, if patients would ha come in with the attitude of, I know my body, I want to get well and speak those words to their physician, not just like, I'm looking for a pill to take this away. You know, this is what I'm doing. Help me figure out what's better. You're going to find that your doctor is going to be much more willing to partner with you and not just brush you off and say it's all in your head or oh, send you to another specialist, especially primary care doctors. So I think if patients and doctors need us tune up, they need to listen. Trust me, I, I'm, I, I 100% agree. We have to change how we converse with patients. We need to be more of a coach advocate in this chronic disease process because the only way we're going to get well is like you said, doing the entire total health care plan, right? You're, you are in charge of your ship. What are you eating? What are you doing to decrease stress? Who are you hanging around with? You know, those people you're with, are they causing you to be ill? You know, that there's so much like that, you know, be in charge of what you can control and do something about it. Stop being the victim, right? So I almost think, you know, when you sign up for the victimhood, you sign up for these illnesses because they're going to jump on you. 
And so you're, you're exactly right. But I think you, you've learned so much. You're going to be able to help so many people because you're putting all the big pieces together instead of just the medicine piece. Right. Um, so your website is the plant, no, the garden based graduate.com. Okay. And tell us what you offer. You have a blog, but you said you've also been helping people. Yeah. So I help people all the time who are interested in transitioning to plant-based way of eating, whole food plant-based and also veganism. Um, Basically with the blog, I just want to put the information out there. So I do give like a very brief, uh, short history of my experience with Crohn's disease because a lot of people wanted to send this information to family or friends who had it um, or who have it. But I also don't want to just be helping people with Crohn's disease. I know this helps so many people. I have so many friends who are pre-med or in med school. I want to show this to them. Everyone at some point has to deal with the healthcare uh, system, whether it's for themselves or their parents or a sibling. Um, And I want to empower people with information. So I'm not saying, hey, listen to this because it's me. I point to the PCRM and the Plantrition Project and all of the doctors and their research. And it's kind of a way for me to target my age group with all the information they can need on it. Mm -hmm. I have a tab on vegan cities. So all the places that I've went to that have made oil-free options for me. Um, which is really cool because everywhere I go, I mean, there's amazing vegan food anywhere. You can go on Happy Cow, but I want to eat plant-based and I don't eat oil. So I have a vegan cities tab. I have a blog just, you know, kind of on my experiences. And I'm hoping to move into also gardening and growing my own food. And I would love one day to be able to work with practices and hospitals and um, education systems and prisons and to help them build urban farms and gardens to then incorporate plant-based nutrition into these places. So um, the basically the goal of the blog is to educate people, put the information out there. And I work with people all the time on changing their diet um, and helping them with that. But I am interested in doing like a well coach type training and you know, really, really diving into this because this is my passion. I want to be a patient advocate. Um, doctors have a lot to do with this. Patients have a lot to do with this. We all have so much to do with it. And um, I, you know, am so passionate about using my experience for the better. I'm passionate about sustainability and veganism and, you know, so many different things. But because of my experience, I so enjoy seeing people whose lives are so much better and you know, the cognitive dissonance goes away when you're not supporting systems that you don't, that you disagree with, that we know are cruel. And, you know, the meat and dairy industry, it's not just cruel to the animals. Like they don't just see animals as commodities. They see us as commodities. They make money off of us. Right. Health is involved. So I'm very passionate about all of that. And that's why I created the blog. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. There, um, I think that what really gets people. I tell people, you know, when you look at the fast food industry, they refer to us as stomach share. So, what part of the market share or their stomach share do they inhabit? So they don't see, you know, the replicate. Well, they maybe they do. They must the replications of, you know, this illness that they're promoting with these foods. So there's so much to it. But you know, I believe we can have. Like I'd like to you know, hashtag it, um, healthy human revolution. We have to do it as a team, right? We, you know, like you said, you were fighting this all alone. 
you're, you had these family dynamics that were against you. Your parents didn't know the answer. So they were just, you know, deferring you to your doctors far away in California. Um, but it finally, one person stood up and said, no, eat potatoes, right? Here's your mom. And I think that speaks volumes, you know, just find that one person that will believe with you and help you find your answer and find your journey uh, to a place of wellness. And it may not be complete healing, but it'll be better than you were. It's where you can find that peace that you were all seeking. You know what I mean? So. And, and one more thing I just want to say, sure. now that it, it just takes one person to tell you the information. So I think a lot of us who are clued in and know the power of plant-based nutrition, we don't want to overstep, right? You know someone who's sick or who's struggling and, you know, it's so personal. People take it very seriously if you kind of say, hey, there's this other way. And I think often we're like, oh, should I say something? Like, I don't know. Always say something. It, my friend messaged me. She hadn't talked to me in six years who messaged me about the starch solution and that planted a seed for me. And maybe you won't, maybe I didn't make the change right away. I was doing a documentary. I was very busy, but I thought about it. Oh, she reversed her IBS. She got off of it. I should look into this. Um, it is so worth it. It takes one person. I mean, when Tom Campbell went against everything he thought he was going to find, it took one person to say, no, I'm going to live my truth. And I'm going to be honest about this. Like, I can't just say that meat and dairy are good for you because this is what I was looking to find out when I did my research. Um, it takes one person. So always, I always refer people, hey, look up Dr. Clapper. Hey, look up Dr. Greg or whatever. Like, look them up. Look up Proteinaholic. It is so absolutely important. Say something. You could change someone's life. I mean, people have changed my life. And I know that I've helped other people, it's worth it to put yourself out there. If they get upset with you, if they feel bad about it, or they're like, okay, I'm not interested, fine. But they might be at some point. It's 100% worth it. you got to say something. Right. And I tell people you could save someone's life. So absolutely. But I know we've taken up your time, and we're against a little time constraint here. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us. And I'll put everything in the show links below, guys. So um, thanks for listening. And Jesse, I can't wait to see what your future holds. And I'm sure we'll be talking again.